our technician extraordinaire has given me the thumbs up. would just like to say how much I appreciate Mark Johnson and his technical expertise in uh, my, uh, if you have electronics at home, anybody here have an electronics drawer? Electronics drawer? It looks like, mine looks like a macrame project. I think I'm just going to pull that out. When I pull it out, everything comes out together. But uh, Mark has, has kept me adept. That's nah, not the right word. He's kept me in check. check. <laughs> no, that, nobody could do that. Uh, he's kept me in technology. In technology. And I appreciate that. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 18. And 19 today. Little vacation resort in the Middle East called Sodom and Gomorrah. When we read the accounts in the book of Genesis, those who are skeptics will take a lot of shots at this. We have talked about the flood, we've talked about creation, we've talked about the uh, Tower of Babel, and we've talked about a lot of things that, that people will say, <laughs> these are just legends. These are just stories. We can read these stories in every culture. Yes, you can. And do you know why you can read them in every culture? Because there's a grain of truth in those cultures. But the Bible has the the accounts. There have, has been research that has done, uh, been done in the Middle East towards the, the Dead Sea. And how many here have swam in the Dead Sea? We have a couple. What was that experience like? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Tim, your experience of the. fellow was telling me that uh, uh, he knew a guy that was so old that he could remember when the Dead Sea was only sick. I thought I would get the humor out of the way right at the beginning and... <laughs> so when are you going to have the humor? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the, uh, 
Yes, the, the Dead Sea area is, is, is a reminder to us today of the wrath of God. Because nothing, from what I've read, and you can attest to that, nothing grows there. And those who have done archaeological digs will talk about uh, evidence of things that are absolutely charred from some sort of fire that happened there. Apparently there was a fire way back when. But in Genesis chapter 18, God is, uh, is going to visit Abram and Sarah. Beginning in verse 1. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. I'm going to stop right there. There's something very peculiar and particular and noteworthy of these first five verses as it pertains to the hospitality that Abram is showing these people. And this would have been, is not unusual for us today, uh, maybe unusual, but for them it was not unusual. It was expected if someone came your way that you would extend your hospitality in whatever they needed. Food, water, a place to rest, a place to get out of the sun. We're also going to read, as we get into chapter 19, we're going to read about the places to where it's going to be destroyed because of their lack of hospitality. Now, when they are come to Abram and put it underneath the tree, I think it's more than just what we would call rest. Yes, uh, where did I read about Costco in here? They, they didn't. That's right, they didn't. They did have to. Uh, how long, Mike, you've, you've butchered animals before. How long would it take you to butcher a small calf? A couple hours. Okay. Annette, uh, when I was a young boy growing up in the late Pleistocene, as the animals were escaping the glaciers, Janine hates it when I tell that story, so I have to do it when she's not in here. Uh, but we, when we would kill deer, we would, uh, we would gut them, skin them, and butcher them ourselves, and put it into the freezer. And that was, that's how we did things on the farm. Whatever animal we were going to eat, we, we butchered. So it does take some time, and that's a good point to bring up. This wasn't something that said, oh, if you got five minutes, I'd, she's going to run down to the store and pick up something for us. Nope, everything had to be made. And so that's the hospitality that they're extending. He, it says, he looked up, he, he lifted up his eyes, verse 2, and looked and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And of course, we, we're going to realize that these were not three men. Two of them were angels and the other one was the angel of the Lord. Uh, and because of the context of the conversation, 
many uh, experts and scholars say this was the pre-incarnate Christ. This was Christ before he came in bodily form, but took, uh, took on the form of, uh, of a man to come down to here. Not the first time, not the last time either. But uh, So the hospitality that, that Abraham, Abram, shows to them is, is common, and it was expected. Anybody driven on the Alaskan Highway? None? Did you know that... They never returned. They never returned, yes. Yes, the call of the wild. Uh, that there is a law on the Alaskan Highway that you cannot pass someone by that is broke down. And you can, but if they get your license plate and they catch you, you can be prosecuted for it. You cannot leave someone stranded on the Alaskan Highway. Uh, so, uh, but here we have the, the hospitality that is shown here by Abraham is something that is expected. When you read throughout the Old Testament, and you read in the law when it talks about those people who are going to be strangers, sojourners, and aliens, and you read about some of the situations where they were treated unkindly, God remembers that. We are expected to deal with strangers. In fact, when we go to uh, the book of Hebrews, and it says that to to deal kindly with strangers, for some have entertained angels unaware. Most people believe that they're talking about this situation right here in the Old Testament. So, Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? He said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. I have a little purple marker that I've outlined that, because uh, each time I come to a passage in the Old Testament that is quoted in the New Testament, I put my brackets around that. And this is the, if you turn to Romans chapter 9, verse 9, this is the verse that is quoted there. And Sarah was listening at the tent, door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? And I also have this verse highlighted. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You think God is asking that so that uh, he can challenge Abraham to say, uh, yeah, I've got a couple things that I think are really too hard. No, that's not why he's saying that. Is anything? It's a, it's a statement of fact, even though it's put in the form of a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anything too hard for me? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. Now, if Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90 when they have that child... Somebody who's good with math, tell me how old they are right here. Yep, you got to go backwards. You got to go the other way. 89 and 90, because in a year when they are, maybe I misstated that wrong. I did, okay, my bad then, my bad. If they are going to be 190 in a year, how old are they now? Ah, they're, they're 89 and 99 at this time. So it would not have been unusual for Sarah to 
even though she says, I didn't really laugh. It might have been a guffaw or a snicker, but I really didn't laugh. But she laughs to think that at 89, she is going to have a child. Seems reasonable that she would, she would laugh to say, I'm not that anybody's that old, but can you imagine having a child at 90 years old? Now for a guy, I think I've made reference to uh, men who have become famous people that we know of that have become fathers when they are... I have to be careful on this one. When, when they're not going to be young enough to throw the ball around and play catch. How's that? Uh, but here, here we come down. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. And for some in the Bible who have disbelieved, can you think of an individual who doubted what the Lord said was true and for about nine months couldn't speak in the New Testament? John's father. John's he, he doubted, and as a result, he said, well, I'll show you. You're not going to speak for until uh, the child is born and we go to name it. But here there's no, there's no, uh, no punishment for her, uh, corporal or otherwise. Verse 16, Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether, according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Two of them are going to go down. Do you think the Lord did not already know? He knew. It wasn't like, well, maybe it's just a rumor. Maybe, I, don't, maybe, I think they got it wrong. No, he knew. But according to the Lord's justice and righteousness and, and to what Abraham is about to be presented here, uh, when he says, uh, let's see, uh, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And as we're going to read, beginning in verse 22, there's going to be something about Abraham that is going to come out uh, as, he, as it's going to be explained. So whatever is going to happen, Abraham is made aware uh, of what is going to occur. And so beginning in verse 22, so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. And remember we said in the beginning of the chapter it says there were three men. Well, he understands that who he is speaking to uh, is the angel of the Lord, but is actually God himself. Uh, then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And that's the question. And as he goes down, and, and can you imagine that he's, he's going to start with 15, he's going to make it all the way down to 10. Now, imagine that you're a parent and your child comes to you and 
comes with these situations. Well, uh, would you be willing to, uh, if you ask for $50, uh, you won't give me $50. Uh, when will you give me $40? Uh, will you give me $30? And, you know, as a parent, you can, but not so with the Lord. And there's something, there's a lesson in here for us. Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fares the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. That seems like a pretty reasonable deal, don't you think? If I find 50. Now, how big was Sodom? Um, I don't know. I was going to say, we don't know how big it is. Now, we read in Nineveh that there was 120,000 that didn't know their uh, left hand from their right. Uh, they think they're speaking of children there, but we don't know how, how big it is. But he says, if I find 50, just 50. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous lacking will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 40 I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, For the sake of 20 I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord's anger let, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Is Abraham the earliest auctioneer? Or <laughs> <laughs> if only there were an auctioneer in our, in, our, uh, in our midst. Has anybody ever used this example with you? Not. <laughs> this is referred to as in the industry as a Chinese auction. As a Chinese auction. Great. Please. Ex- you start high, and you keep going down, 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 and the first hand that comes up, that's the sale price. Did you understand that? I believe I did, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the idea is don't be your first to put the hand up. Mm-hmm. And if this guy over here raises his hand one dollar before you do, then you're crying in your soup. Mm-hmm. Dim sum soup. Yeah. Chinese auction. <laughs> Edit that one out, Mark. <laughs> so, what what is it? What's your impression of Abraham here? Compassionate. Compassionate. Do you think Abraham is, has forgot that his nephew, Lot, is there? No. 
And it says they looked down toward Sodom. And Joanne, you mentioned that it's, it is the lowest land place, I say that correctly, on earth. It, it is the lowest. And, and so when they, when they talk of going up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was on one of the highest mountains. So everything was going up to there, and everything from there was going down. And so as they look down, uh, they're looking down to the lowest place. It's even lower if anybody's been to Death Valley here in the United States. It's lower than that. Uh, it's in a, uh, a rift there uh, in the valley. And apparently was known because, remember, when Lot is given the choice by Abraham, they're, they can't get along. There's too many uh, herds on both sides. They can't get along. And, and Abraham, so gracious, says... If you go that way, I'm going to go this way. And if you want to go that way, I'll go this way. Whichever you want. And it says that Lot looked down. He looked at the Jordan Valley. And so, obviously, it is a lush area at that point that he's looking at. But, Joanne, you said that it's, well, both you and Tim said it's rather desolate. And... Could you ever imagine, as you were looking at that, that at one time it was a lush area? No, not at And at the time, one would perhaps jump to the conclusion that the Dead Sea may have been a rather lush lake of which things could be watered from. It's hard to imagine it been salt. I can't say that for sure, but it would seem that because it was a large lake that it would have been something that would have well watered, been well watered. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it stands as a testament to this day. 
for all that. And I've read stories that, that tell about things that they assume were just rock formations, but in fact uh, were, uh, were some sort of structures that were just completely burnt, covered over, uh, and left. And uh, so as, a, as we come down, it, 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 whatever, whatever it was that rained down from heaven, as they talked about, uh, let's see, what do we call it? What do your versions describe it as, just right off the top of your head? Brimstone, which is also sulfur. If you... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so we come back to what Abraham is, is doing, is, is bargaining in this. He starts at 50, he goes to 45, he goes to 40, 30, to 20, to 10. And what does it say about Abraham and his compassion? And, and as we said, nothing, that, nothing here was unknown to God. And perhaps this is put into here as proof to Abraham that God really was willing to spare the place. Uh, and you think about the, we think of the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. And for people who, who want to describe the God of the Old Testament, the first thing that comes to mind about the God of the Old Testament is Sodom and Gomorrah and blood. God's always angry. He's always destroying and killing people. But when we read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, was... Yeah, yeah. And so whatever is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, and I believe we have a pretty good idea of what's going on when we get there, uh, is so vile to God, compounded by the fact that the way that they treat visitors of aliens that way. There's something in the nature of God that tells us that how we ought to treat those who are sojourners, aliens, travelers. You get the idea? Uh, that, they, that they would not do. But he says, if I can just find ten people. Now let's say that Sodom and Gomorrah were about the size of Traverse City. What's the population of Traverse City? Anybody have the... I, I want the exact number. No, not one more, not one less. <laughs> yeah. So, if you're just looking at the city of Traverse City, and how many were in the city of Traverse City? 15,000. Do you think you could find 10 righteous people in Traverse City? But how many of us live in the city limits? Yeah. So you, you think of, if you can just find 10, and it may seem a rather safe assumption to Abraham that God can find 10 people. Even if it's just within the family of Lot, he could find it. Tim lives in the city. Tim, if you hear about it, you're the only one so far. Anybody else live in the city limits? Two. We've got two. All right. You can just find ten. And that, is that unreasonable? 
I mean, 50, you thought, okay, but how about just 10? Just 10. I find 10. So that means 10 seems like it'd be easy to find 10 people that were righteous in this. Now we begin in verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we're going to spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Why do you think Lot was so intent on getting those two to stay at his house? He knew it was outside? Safety. Safety. Lot knew. And the question that comes to one's mind, especially if we go over to the New Testament, it said that righteous Lot was tormented by this. And the question that you ask is, why didn't he leave? Exactly. That's what occurs. Lot, why are you staying there? Why on earth, if you're being tortured by this situation and you see what's going on, did you not just take everything and leave? But that would be too easy because we, we always have the answer uh, for that. Uh, but before they lay down, verse 4, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. What was that term? All the people to the last man. Anybody here like to watch westerns? If I watch a western series, it doesn't matter if it's Gunsmoke or if it's Wagon Train or what it is, eventually, yes, what was the one you're going to watch? Wells Fargo or Paladin, Have Gun, Will Travel. They, almost every Western I've ever seen does a situation like this, to where someone is traveling through a town, and the town is so wicked that they kidnap the person and somebody has to go to rescue them. You guys remember those? Somebody's just traveling, they're just on their way, and they stop at this town. And that town is so wicked. And I'm always struck by that term, to the last man. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Some of your versions may be a little bit more explicit than that. It's not that, well, they might be famous. Maybe we can get some autographs from them. Maybe some pictures. Something wallet-sized for us. That's not the type of no. I'm not going to be real graphic because we do have children in our audience tonight. Uh, bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. 
Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man, Lot, and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the blindness, struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. As you can tell, they're not looking for autographs. They're not looking to hear about their world travels. They're not looking to make friends on Facebook with them. Uh, they have less than honorable deeds for this. And because they are travelers, and many people are, are troubled by Lot's reaction, which he says that it is more important to protect my guests than it is my daughter's. And some people will make that connection to what is going to happen afterwards uh, with Lot and his two daughters uh, that may have had may have been more of an influence there than, uh, than he ever thought on his daughters. But uh, as we see that when Abraham is, uh, is being told that when God said that uh, I'm going to see if the account that I've heard is actually true, it's true. And it is as bad as you can possibly imagine. Tim? Yes. Yes. If you're looking for uh, legal terms uh, for this, uh, that's, that's where the term comes from. And I really don't want to be that graphic, but, but that is. That, this situation, and we're talking 2,000 years, 2,000, pardon me, 4,000 years have passed. And this, the effects of this are still felt in our culture because uh, the type of things that are described use the term Sodom in the description. That's how bad this was. Uh, and uh, as they, uh, the men reached out and drew Lot back in, they hit them with blindness. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law that were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest they you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and, if you've, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. It's, is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Even in this, Lot may have been a, a bargainer like Abraham. 
maybe it comes by it honestly. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not going to go all the way up there. How about, how about I just go this far? These, these lingering and the son's law seems to be, they say, well, he seems to be jesting. As we come down, uh, do I have time to read three more verses? Yes, yes. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I remember in a class the first time that someone... Because we... The, what's the, the longest verse in the Bible from the New Testament? No, it's the shortest. Among the shortest. Jesus wept. Next is, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife looked back. You ever think of why Lot's wife looked back? Well, you're not going to see anything like this again. Or was there something else? Maybe she had family back there. Yeah, as child psychology. Now, don't you go in that room and clean it. <laughs> now, that one never works. <laughs> but what do we know about Lot's wife? Where was she from? We don't know. She could in all likelihood have been from Sodom. Might answer Lot as to why Lot did not leave that town. Because she had family there. And if she left with the two daughters, what would be on her mind as she walked away from that place? Who did she leave behind? Mother and father. It makes the verse in the New Testament that leaving father and mother, sisters and brothers, remember Lot's wife. And there we have our class for the day. We'll pick up there when we get back.